Welcome back. This week, we look at an organization that has played a major role in American society and politics, Skull and Bones. Now, let me interject here that uh, what we give in these short videos is strictly vignettes. Uh, the more comprehensive uh, detail about such things as skull and bones and other things are in, in my book. But after the Illuminists infiltrated our system of higher learning, they started to recruit their, into their schemes the young, bright students that they instructed and those who were the sons of prominent men, bright students or not. In this manner, they were able to gather wealth and influence into their ranks by influencing the young men who were not yet set in their ways or had the education to withstand the wiles of the Illuminists. We will give you the official story of Skull and Bones. It is bad enough, but what never ever comes up is the fact that any campus organization has to have the sanction of the institution or it cannot function one way or another. Otherwise, the institution's administration will shut it down. We know of no record that shows who in the Yale administration helped Skull and Bones get started and became an integral part of Yale. We are to believe that two students started such a prominent and important organization on campus without any help or criticism from the faculty. Yale started out as a Christian institution, but started to change after the administration of Reverend Timothy Dwight, the elder, as president, an opponent of the Illuminati. The official story is that Skull and Bones, or the Order, was started in 1832 primarily by William Huntington Russell with the help of Alfonso Taft as Chapter 322 of a German secret society. The speculation is that the order was the Illuminati, but no positive proof has been found that it was. Since Russell studied at the University of Berlin and Skull and Bones became known as the Brotherhood of Death, it is likely that it was part of the Totenbund, or Order of Death, itself a descendant of the Illuminati. A telling clue of their origin, even though circumstantial, is the use of the term the Order, just as the Illuminati was known. Skull and Bones members' influence grew until they controlled Yale by 1862 and played a major role in taking over or starting many major universities by 1900. Not only Yale, but Johns Hopkins, Cornell, the University of California, Carnegie Institution, even the Chicago Theological Seminary. William Russell went on to play a major role in Connecticut politics and the state militia. He grew close to the terrorist John Brown and was involved in supporting his efforts in the Kansas conflict in the 1850s. Russell is rarely mentioned in this regard today, but Russell was named by Brown as one of the trustees of his will. The other co-founder of Skull and Bones, Alfonso Taft, played out a more overt influence on America by the positions he held. He became the Secretary of War and the Attorney General in the Grant administration. He ran for governor of Ohio but lost the race over his desire to see the Bible eliminated from the public schools. Of course, Taft's son, William Howard Taft, who was also a member of Skull and Bones, became president. He played the leading role in the establishment of the National Chamber of Commerce, which today 
plays a dominant role in promoting foreign entanglements under the guise of free trade, all of which is using patient gradualism to destroy American sovereignty. William Howard Taft also started the League to Enforce Peace. It was a forerunner to the League of Nations whose mission would have been to enforce peace by waging war on those who wage war. Skull and Bones comes up repeatedly throughout our book, To the Victor Go the Myths and Monuments, because so many members have played major roles in American politics, education, and finance, including the Bush family, starting with Prescott Bush. There have been secret societies established at other universities, some by members of Skull and Bones. Andrew Dickinson White of the Order was the first president of Cornell, and he encouraged the formation of a secret society on that campus. Once opposition to Skull and Bones began to build among the student body at Yale to this elitist secret society, then another secret order was established, and then another. They had the appearance of the tactic outlined by Adam Weishaupt and other Illuminists. A cover is always necessary. In concealment lies a great part of our strength. Hence, we must always hide ourselves under the name of another society. Weishaupt also said, conceal the very fact of our existence. If they discover us, conceal our real objective by prof profession of benevolence. Of our real, if our real objective is perceived, pretend to disband and relinquish the whole thing, but assume another name and put forth new agents. The Illuminati Regent degree said this, for this reason we should always conceal ourselves under the name of some other association. The other secret societies established at Yale, supposedly in opposition to Skull and Bones, were Wolf's Head and Scroll and Key. These later societies have not been researched as well as Skull and Bones and tend to be under the radar of most historians who even mention Skull and Bones. According to the Encyclopedia of Fraternities, compiled and edited by Albert C. Stevens in 1907, shows a direct lineage of Scroll and Key as well as Wolf's Head from Skull and Bones and not as independent entities. These three secret societies of Yale have played a major role in the movement of our country into internationalism, as opposed to America first, and the sovereignty of the American people. Members of Skull and Bones played a role in the secession of both sides of the North and South and helped bring about the Civil War. Their members became prominent in the federal government and built up the internationalism so paramount in the federal government today. Now there's a great deal of information on Skull and Bones online, but use caution when looking at it since some tends to be less than accurate. The best book on the subject of Skull and Bones is by Anthony Sutton called America's Secret Establishment. These campus secret fraternities were very useful in fulfilling an important tactic promoted by the Illuminati. This tactic is not only to enlist the brightest students, but to target the progeny of their enemies, making their sons into minions. In this way, the younger can coast on the reputation of the elder among the Illuminous opposition subverting as much of the father's organization and effectiveness as trusted friends.
In addition, they capture the financial base of their enemy upon his death by having enlisted the heir to their cause. An example of this would have been Timothy Dwight V, grandson of the aforementioned Dwight. The elder Dwight was a fighter against the Illuminati and its influences. The younger Dwight became a member of the order and studied in Germany under Hegelians and later served on the American Committee for the revision of the English version of the Bible from 1878 to 1885. He served as a professor of the Yale Divinity School, teaching future Christian ministers. He followed in his grandfather's steps as the president of Yale in 1886. Hegel, by the way, believed that Christianity was a moral error, and he identified with the Jacobins. The Galeans believed the state was almighty and seen as the march of God on earth. Such is an example of a person marching forward on the reputation of the elder member of the family who was an enemy of the Illuminati. By the way, isn't it interesting that with each new generation there seems to be a push for a new version of the Bible? I will leave that to you to mull over. Next week we explore the two Republican parties.